Hello, and welcome to the Film Design Podcast. I'm your host, Max Lincoln. Today I'll be speaking with Nick Foliotes, a production designer with over 20 years experience working within TV commercials. His numerous clients include Lego, Audi, Visa and Argos. Could you explain a bit about what you do? Okay, uh, what I do is uh, I'm a production designer for TV commercials. Um, I suppose, in a sense, you're a head of head of department, head of the art department, and uh, that's what I've been doing through art directing and and sort of doing more than production design or or running jobs uh, for about twenty plus years. Amazing, and. Um... You know, what was your route to, to getting where you are now? I did the full sort of art school foundation uh, through to a three-year degree and a, and a two-year MA. And that was in <clears throat> graphics, graphic design. But during my MA, it moved into sort of printmaking and uh, wanting to do my own sort of visual typography and, and work. And it was... Uh, kind of a chance meeting as these things often are with a guy who'd been out in Italy for eight or ten years working for Diesel. His name is Brian Baderman and he needed someone to sort of start uh, continuing the the Diesel catalogues. He was working for Diesel, the fashion company in Italy and he knew them from their early days, uh, very much selling jeans from the boot of a car, as he says. But uh, yeah, he, he had the handle on this very uh, maverick catalogue, which uh, sort of included the clothing. So I started working with him after leaving college. I was also freelancing, doing graphics projects and uh, theatre posters and and uh, typography sort of projects wherever I could. But for, for well, maybe good a good three months of the year uh it was a biannual diesel diesel hit working with this guy brian and then brian was approached by a producer after a couple of years uh saying you should do some moving image and from art directing stills and doing graphics for this whole catalog we um i say we because he well he was the director but it was very much a, a, a collaborative process he um he got a couple of jobs doing some MTV little commercials and uh, as many directors do, that's where they start out. And um, we we were making props and doing everything really. Um, and that led to then his name getting out there and he, he got some Jaffa Cakes commercials, which became quite um, recognisable and well-known. And that's really my first commercial uh, proper work as, as a sort of art director was, was on the Jaffa Cakes commercials. I'd done a little bit of wardrobe styling for some other people and my name through diesel had got out to people like ring and ledwidge who was kind of young and starting out and i'd done a bit of wardrobe styling for him and uh but with brian that was the first sort of uh set sets designs and you know proper commercial stuff and it was it was quite funny actually we <laughs> we'd been so used to doing stuff just with him and myself and a camera uh that and I'd done a couple of jobs by then with Brian. Before I did the Jaffa Cakes, I'd done a couple of commercials as a stylist. And I'd seen the sort of, you know, the machine that it is and the sort of 60 people arriving on set. And Brian hadn't really seen this. And he was pulled me into a room on the morning of the first day of the Jaffa Cakes shoot and said, who the hell are these people? And I said, well, that's, that's the lighting trucks. And I think that's wardrobe. <laughs> and, and he was like, I, d I don't want them here. I just want me and you shooting this. And I said, but... Well, Brian, there's agency, there's a the production. There's, no, 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 just me and you. It'd be really nice if it was just me and you. And I said, but this is this is commercial now. <laughs> but, you know, times were different then and you could uh, you could pretty much control creatively what, what, what the sort of ad was going to be like. And agencies, by and large, left you, left you alone. They, they respected, I think, the creativity of the director. 
So I guess working with agencies now, like how do you go about achieving their vision? Like are you constantly in conversations or do you end up um, speaking more directly via the director? Well, as a designer, you're, you're pretty much the first person to, <clears throat> you are going through the director solely or the production company and then the director. Um, if it's the sort of director I like, they're very collaborative and they, they, they want uh, input and thoughts, but you see the script pretty much. You're the first, second person really after the director and, and the sort of, you know, in terms of crew to see the script, you know, you might then have casting or wardrobe or, or uh, cameraman, you know, uh, uh, director of photography might see that script, but you're pretty much the first person to see that script. And I, I kind of break things down quite meth- methodically. I, I keep a good notebook. I read the script through. I underline. I have a whole sort of symbols, uh, a sort of shorthand in terms of underlining what is a an action or a, or a prop make or what might be a, an SFX thing or whatever. And you just sort of break the script down initially, highlighting areas. And you just read the script and then read the treatment and then I read it again and you just get under the skin of it to try and to just get a handle on it um, but obviously the director's written their treatment based on that script and the agency are, are, are sort of maybe sometimes unaware of those treatment put inputs so that's still in discussion so things change and you have to be very adaptable and um, you have to expect things to be changing and unfortunately they change right up to the last minute and uh, you know we all wonder sometimes whether people actually appreciate what goes into changes in decisions and it does have a big knock-on effect I'm very much aware with my crew what a change in decision will will mean and and you get to a point where you can relay that very quickly to production say if you want that to happen this this and this will happen and that will shift or this financially will shift or time-wise and um, I think as long as you're clear and communicative in that process, not hiding it, then um, that keeps everyone happy. But um, yeah, I think I've seen more and more in the last th- three, four, five years, directors really sometimes, you know, are at the mercy of, of agencies who are at, who are fearful of their clients. And it's a bit of a shift and a change where the client really does control the whole thing whereas the director was given that role to to creatively um, channel the agency's thoughts into something that was unique and memorable and I think we've lost that unfortunately. It's a shame because it probably means that overall a lot of the smaller commercials are probably a little less inventive I'd guess. They are yes and, and, and and things have to work across different media as well as they have to work globally so I think the shift was when, you know, when jobs are being sold and they're being used across the Middle East or Russia or wherever it were, different cultural sort of areas, then um, scripts become more sort of, the term I have is every man sort of thing. You know, they're, they're the silent scripts where where the dialogue is a narrative journey, but it's not it's not uh, copy driven as as the UK used to be known for, I think, was was comedy and copy and great storytelling, but narrative. It's more of a uh, silent journey, which you can put music on and you can then use across the world globally. So that's a, that's a shift as well. So in, in, in a good way as well, because it's opened up things. But um, sometimes, you know, my background is always from an irreverent sort of humour and comedy. And that came from my interest when I was younger but it also came very quickly with working with Brian and through Diesel it was very uh, humour driven and uh, that's the sort of work I also like and uh, I think you know you start out when you're younger thinking this is what I'll be doing but in the end of the day you end up working and you work with creative people and you don't know what the script is going to be sometimes or how, how good it's going to turn out but you do it I always say you do whatever you do to the best, you know, the best input, give it 110%. And, um, you, you know, you can't, you can't lose in that way. Uh, if you're shooting a script that is as simple as 
let's just use it as an example in my head quite often that so if it's an onion on a table and that's it that's all that's happening in the job then you'd look at the onion the size of the onion the color of the skin of the onion you'd look at the table do you need tablecloth what color is the wood what is the background and soft background or whatever um <clears throat> you just put as much as you need into each job and um i think that's why i've enjoyed commercials because you can put yeah there's some people say well have you never done features and I haven't because when I was starting out the kids were young and the family life was a bit chaotic and I like the short turnaround and the sort of short sharp three week four week turnaround of commercials um, and buyers I used to use that did features would say well you'd love the pre-production into a feature film because you could the detail etc but then equally you have to deal with things also in a very broad brushstroke way and um yeah i like putting the detail into these shorter formats quite often so. yeah it's very much kind of like a sprint versus a marathon with the whole feature slash commercials it um, is yeah but yeah you're right um you know with the features you couldn't really have those details because there are maybe five sets that you need to dress and every single one of them just needs to be up in the same week or something like that yeah um, yeah i mean the stories i hear are more from set dressers and prop men you know that work that, that's why i also think there's the sort of industries that run in parallel because of you hear of teams that jump over into one into the other and it's a different sort of pace um so yeah it is a bit like the sprint and marathon you know it's like having usain bolt suddenly jumps into the 26 mile race so it's <laughs> a different story but but yeah. obviously the feature when you see the stuff that's done on features it's kind of you know, some commercials touch upon those, you know, we've done a, done a couple that are big productions, but um, when you see the scale and the, the teams and the people and the sets, it's, it's quite, I think it's quite overwhelming. And I, yeah, uh, maybe, maybe something there, but yeah, maybe a touch of fear about <laughs> failing. <laughs> it's always good to have a slight touch of fear about failure, but uh, it's, it's not, not so good if it sort of takes over yeah absolutely just a, a tiny dose to kind of like get you through every job yes absolutely yeah one thing i learned and that was from the first job working with brian was doing the jaffa cakes because we'd done our own sets we'd done everything you know made props and do everything really with a with a few assistants but suddenly there was a construction company and we were painting sets and i was supposed to have things ready and uh <clears throat> and things weren't ready and on time and i got really I won't say the word, but yeah, shouted, <laughs> really shouted at by the yeah. first AD, understandably, because they wanted, you know, this to be done ready then. And I was like, oh, no, it'll be well, it'll be dry in a few hours, you know. And suddenly it was a very quick realisation. And I've learned from that complete dressing down in front of people of, of, oh, this is how it works, you know. But it was it was because it was our first job, you know. And I've spoken with, you know, quite large directors like Tractor, the Swedes, you know, I've been working with have the same you know where they just think it was they didn't know what they were doing when they were starting out and it was sort of refreshing to to hear that even from quite you know big directors uh, but yeah you learn quickly you should learn quickly and uh, hopefully you, over the years it doesn't happen again you make sure it doesn't happen again you know you be prepared so talking about tractor um and also lego um a huge lego fan slash recovering lego addict um and you did a, a brilliant advert for them for lego rebuild the world with tractor um can you tell us a little bit about the commercial and how you went about designing um for such a well-known brand and bring it into let's say real life um yes it was a it was an early call on the job um tractor have a lovely wonderful producer richard who's out in la um it was a sort of drip feed of starting to think about things a good couple of months maybe ahead of uh, being officially on the job let's say but it was a you know lego hadn't done any live action commercial for i don't think this was probably their first for 20 years or so um and they well, turned out to be the most wonderful client because it's still run by the family and a Danish uh, family and, and still has a connection there. But, you know, you had two clients on set that really didn't have anything negative to say um, at, over a five day shoot, which is quite something. But yeah, it started early with looking at what would this world 
what could the Lego world in real life be? And that started out with the the main props from the from the script. Um, the idea of the job is a hunter chasing a rabbit, and that rabbit evades him through a city. And uh, then there's a turnaround, and the rabbit becomes the hunter, and the hunter becomes the sort of prey. But there were key props that needed looking at, and those props had to be sort of real life scaled up, but they had to be Lego but they had to have real textures. So that was the first job. And then wardrobe was a huge thing, but I wasn't in, involved in that. That was a wonderful designer, Liz Botez, who's out in LA. And the wardrobe was just a huge number. I mean, it was uh, uh, photographing, photographing real props and things on clothes and then getting it printed as 2D. And hopefully that comes through in the advert as well, but the, all the wardrobe is, is quite something. But um, yeah, it started with the the large props and then getting some props made in the UK through Artem that we could take out to Chile. We filmed in Chile, which was amazing. I've been there once before on a, on a Goodyear commercial, but we were based in Santiago and then we travelled out to a little town called, well, a port town called Valparosa. Uh, and that is quite a colourful, uh, quirky uh, coastal uh, area of Chile, and uh, I think it's it's on the it's on the backpacking trail. It's quite hippieish. It's quite graffiti laden. We had to choose the areas quite carefully, but it was a big, you know, collaborative thing. Looking at location pictures with the director, who was uh, uh, Patrick from Tractor, and then he was joined by Pontus from Tractor. Sometimes they work in pairs. They work individually. Um, and uh yeah it was it was just well run you know i had a really good art department out there the joy of traveling is you get a really huge team of people working under your direction and i like that it's lovely collaborative process but uh you know when you have 16 construction and 12 art department it, it's just beyond anything really that you can touch upon in in terms of uk jobs because of you know, maybe the crew, the pay, etc., is 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 more favourable out there. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a very collaborative uh, process. Really, it was working with very closely with uh, MPC Micros MPC in Paris. Um, in terms of what would be shot for real, what would be shot uh, as an element, and what would be put in in post production there was a huge amount put in in post-production to change this area but we did build a good sort of six or eight area sets and uh we managed to dress facades of buildings and we built al's barber shop sort of full scale and um, put some detail into that and we built a saloon part of a saloon um so early days it was really referencing all the what existed in terms of lego models and what existed in terms of lego props and details and putting that into the real world within the narrative of the story so it was very much plotted out like a like a chase really and and it helped that we had a really top class cameraman in Heute van Heutemer who who sh shot Dunkirk, Spectre, Interstellar, Ad Astra uh, to name a few so yeah it was it was fun, you know. We found a catering car out in Chile. It was probably one of only two in Chile, and we had it re revinyled and um, you have some good chase sequences and stunt driving and 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 you know bringing a bit of energy to the to the script. But uh, it was it was just good collaboration throughout. And uh, Tractor, they're kind of very collaborative. They're very well not easy going is the word yeah because they work really hard so they can also trust people and they they can also have a bit of fun and it, it filters down and um, everyone sort of you get the best out of everyone really through that process absolutely i much prefer um directors that are more collaborative and um it just makes the vibe a bit nicer absolutely yeah i mean we've all heard the stories of people and you know, occasionally been at the blunt end of it but um, you know, I think there's there's good reason sometimes, you know, because it's such a passion project for many people. And uh, if you don't want things screwing up, but some, sometimes those things screw up out of out of anyone's control. It might be location wise or weather or whatever. And 
you know the, the, the feedback I hear is that what's the point of what's the point of getting angry about it because we can't control this so it's it's much easier to do it you know in a way that's going to be okay let's let's solve it this way let's problem solve so but yeah lego lego was a was a lot of post production there was there was a good 8 months of post production but i did provide designs and and little ideas and photoshop comps to do with what that those background elements could be as much as they uh, also had their own research and referencing and things like that so yeah Oh yeah, I was going to ask about that. So in terms of, I know, I know in feature films and TV, it's it's a little bit different. But in terms of commercials, how much do you have involvement with the the posts and um, the general look that they end up achieving? Um, depends on the job, really. Um, ho- ho- you know, I think sometimes you'd like it to be a little bit more than it is, um, and sometimes you know you, the job stops on shooting and that's it, your job's done. But it's nice to be invited in and or give input. Um, sometimes it's sort of off the record or not paid, you know, as it were, it's beyond your days. But I don't mind that kind of input if it's helping creatively. I'm always one for, and again, it's going back to working with, with Brian and Diesel. It was long hours of working and, and you, 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 get, you get out what you put in and we all work very long hours, you know that, and, uh, and it's not nine to five. But... It is nice to be involved creatively with that side of it. Um, Lego was an instance, and also uh, we did a, a job in Romania, and uh, I dare say, uh, I hate to mention, that it was for a, a gambling uh, betway, but it was a very creative project. It was another tractor project, and it was set inside the cranium of someone's head or the imagined idea of these brain cells and a character called the hunch uh, inside someone's head. So again... Uh, post production, it's very, it's nice to have them there, and you chat, and it's good to travel with jobs because you, you're all talking about work a lot of the time, and you're you're there together dealing with it. So, yeah, it's nice when post production are very two way as well, and and like with DOPs, you know, it's a very two way thing. You know, um, you solve things together on set, and you can work things out. And post production involved. It, I think that's one of the great enjoyments is to have this collaborative element of it. And there are some very skilled people, and I'm always amazed when I'm standing next to someone who feels so much more skilled than I am. But it's also enjoyable, you know. You travel to places where I have an art director, let's say, who is a production designer in their own right, and they've they maybe done about six feature films, and you look at the work and you go, "Blimey!" But it's they're they're servicing your ideas and and making it happen uh in a logistic sense and i do enjoy that process because you're you're tapping in you're bringing something out of some someone else as well and i think there's a hopefully a skill a management skill in that as well as much as there is in in designing yourself when you start a um a new project in terms of um coming up with um, how the set design is going to be looking um, mm. how do you work do you work with a concept artist or do you draw yourself and then develop your own models um, what's yeah. your process um, <clears throat> my process is is less well the computer plays a huge part for sort of all that correspondence and, and referencing etc you know I have a fairly good library of books here but of course, the go-to is to go onto the computer to start just referencing images and pictures and pulling together some some looks to some thoughts. But I very much then move to, to drawing and sketching. And um, it may be with the end result where you know you've got to get a visualiser or a concept person involved. I, I, for years, have thought I should learn SketchUp. I've, I've only got as far as plotting out a basic square on a on a footprint which is which is terrible that's my own fault and actually I should be learning it now but um yeah drawing is key and sketching and drawing out ideas and even even in a very cartoon-like way can be I think um try and shut the computer down move into the notebook move on to sketch pads and um draw it out but very quickly I, I move into photoshop is my thing and, and it can be collage or it's sort of working over drawings but um yeah the last a last the last project i did which 
unfortunately was was cancelled on the day of the shooting uh, first day of four days shooting um, but we hoped to reshoot it very much knew that there had to be a a an architectural sort of visualizer involved and um, found found someone who was available and and that worked brilliantly because it was able to sit with them with my ideas and and then we scaled it up and worked out five five or seven different rooms connected some connected some not some with different looks and of course that can go straight through to construction and um and can be used as the blueprint and cnc etc off that so there's yeah it's knowing who to bring in at what point i think is it's that's what you learn with experience is is forecasting what you might need to get the job done at what time and um I always say you never know what you're going to be asked to do and you never know what it is, but you know what should happen when. And if that doesn't happen then, then you, the alarm bells start ringing. Um, but yeah, I very much, I, I try and sketch and I, I use Photoshop fairly rapidly now and I can build up a fairly, I think, a fairly good feeling. But again, I'm always amazed looking at other people's drawings and and, and you look at concept or, or designers for film and... I mean, Ken Adam from, you know, from 2001 Space Odyssey through to all the Bond, if you look at those lovely drawings and beautiful sort of artistic ink drawings, they're very much evocative. They're very evocative and they give a complete sense of a place in terms of light, shadow and scale. But they're, they're done in a very economic means and that's a great skill, I think. That's, um, that's kind of like a true artistry, I think. So, yeah, try and achieve that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his are brilliant. Also, um, Dante Ferretti, the, um, mm. his mm. are beautiful. I don't know if you've seen any. Um, there are some I mean, online of his um, Gangs of New York um, okay. yeah. ones. And he, um, I went to a talk by him and he basically, I think he'll get like an A2 piece of um, card or board or something. And then he'll just sketch them freehand with um, uh, pastels or chalks yeah. or something and they're really beautiful very much oh, must have a look yeah it's not something i'd even really looked at but um <clears throat> yeah they were some of the, the biggest sets weren't they i think uh for, for a long time um but yeah all those wonderful i was on a job in romania and they had all the cold mountain sets brought down from the from the up in the on location back to the back lot at uh at the uh studios Bucharest studios and um they're all you know they've rebuilt the town in the back lots and it's it's great wandering through those sorts of ramshackle you know west the western equivalent of our Dickensian world you know great fun yeah yeah I'd love to check it out mm. um so you briefly mentioned cancellation of jobs last minute and mm. I, I also was on a job that um cancelled the day before shooting um, more or less um, when a job does cancel um, through uh, something that you can't control um, how do you go about um, I guess ending the job really what's your process um, well it doesn't happen very often so this was quite unusual and unique um, yeah well this this instance we had to budget for storing sets maybe rebuilding again so rebudgeting for reshooting uh, some months down the line but the storage of sets or whether you're just striking the lot or what can be saved and or is it you know you're working with your prop buyer generally and the construction um you've got stuff to clear up physically and just pack and wrap when that's prop men and art department but yeah with the with the buyer prop buyer set dresser you can work out whether things can be returned or whether they can be stored or what you're going to, you know, it's about money really. Uh, what's the most econ economic way of um, making sure we get all this stuff back again? But um, yeah, so some things that we purchased went into storage um, and uh, into sort of container units and and a discussion with construction was what sets, parts of the sets could be saved and what had to be just go back into their usage because they use flats obviously like a sort of rental thing in a way but yeah it's kind of we know it was built to the point where everyone walked around and went wow that's great so we we know what it should look like again so in a way that's okay but it doesn't happen very often and yeah it's, it's the same as wrapping any job I mean 
I've just joined an agency after always dealing with my own affairs and uh, I'm, I'm now with a with a Wizzo and Co. So in terms of just sorting out remuneration or financial things, that's that's kind of their end a little bit more, which is good to know. They've got that support. But yeah, they were brilliant. Production were brilliant and the client were brilliant and everyone's everyone's been paid for the job, which is great. And um so uh yes, we just wait and see. But yeah, it doesn't happen very often. So it's 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 a it's a quicker version of wrapping any job really. So um in terms of budgets, um, do you handle them yourself or do you have an art director now that you've been doing this yeah. for quite some time? I always think I'm not, you know, I'm no budget, so we've got to do budgets. And again, the budgets come prior to sometimes looking or working with the director. So you're budgeting on uh, on a treatment or script and it falls outside of the your official startup quite often. Um, you know, I think you should always be paid for, for hours spent on jobs, but... Equally, if the job isn't fully confirmed and production need to get a handle on it, then um, you know you're always willing to help. So I do break it down very, you know, sometimes it's very uh, broad brushstrokes, um, and by and large, I've always been fairly accurate. I mean, things change and 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 jobs get bigger or or ideas change. But again, if you just keep the communication up, that's all people need to know is what's happening, and so they can make allowance for it. But um, yeah, I do handle the budgets unless we go abroad, and then the budgets tend to be handled between production, where you're, where the director is, and generally it's a UK production, and the servicing production company because there's a different financial arrangement and the money is different and uh, the pay is different. So, I go to jobs abroad a little bit freer in my mind in terms of budget, but equally, you can be three quarters of the way through a job and a producer sidles up to you and say hey Nick we're at this and we can't go beyond this <laughs> what do we what are we doing I was like well I was unaware of that so no one's told me to be careful here or here so again it's about communication but it is kind of good to I like traveling because it's you can be a bit freer in terms of um, asking for things without without you know you're asking in terms of this is what we need creatively for the job and then you'll find out whether it can be achieved a little bit later down the line and generally things can be there's money, you know, you say there's money there, but good producers have got a good handle with agency who hopefully have a good handle with their client. And uh, as long as everyone's upfront about things, then, um, you know, hopefully everyone's working for the same pros, the, the same end result is to get something decent on, on film. Uh, you do want, you do th- sometimes feel it's a backwards process, but, um, um, as a producer said to me, you know, if someone's got X budget, you say, well, what do you want? Do you want this or do you want that? You know, if if you want that, then you've got to you've got to have a certain approach to it. You can't, you know, it's cutting. Is it a, a silk purse from the sow's sow's ear or something? <laughs> Maybe I'm <laughs> but, not sure. Um, yeah, but I've, I have found that UK UK budgets have been very tight over the last few years, and and. Um, Generally, the jobs, I suppose, the bigger jobs like Lego, they they were, you know, they're abroad, and um, there's a huge, huge team of people involved. Um, and the money goes further out in places like Chile and Argentina or or South Africa, maybe, but that all fluctuates and changes. You know, I don't know if you've travelled to Prague recently. I haven't because it's it's as as costly as anywhere else, and it should be rightly so because they're fantastic quality of of construction and everything out there like as as is romania as is bulgaria uh, i've not had the chance to get to hungary but uh, yeah it's uh, i think i think it's about well the worst jobs are the ones where budgets are given to you and they're done quickly and they might be based on a previous job and they they may mm. be done by production and then you're given a budget and then you break it down and you you it's very scant in terms of crew quite often it doesn't go into the detail you chat with the director and then you say well this needs sfx or model make or this is a prop make he wants this or that or they want this yeah. and it builds and builds and then, and uh, if if you if you bring that up early then production should be able to sort of say ah oh, yeah we got it wrong but sometimes it it's 
sometimes it's like, well, that's what we've got. You you divide it up, and you say, well, I'm trying to divide it up, but it doesn't. It doesn't actually work. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely had the same, especially where. Um, things have been equated in their systems wrong for example like maybe a van a van is 300 pounds and it's like yeah yeah, maybe for a day but not for you know a week Mm. shoot and then suddenly you're balancing the budget as kind of creatively and conscientiously as possible but Mm. um, some of the cells just are slightly uh, meaningless well yeah it's it's they think about the shoot but they don't think about the striking of the shoot or what's required for whatever Or, or like you say Transport caught me out once on a job in the UK, and it was uh, you know, a good four or five day shoot for um, for a Virgin train commercial, and it was quite a number, and it really shocked me. But it, it was a sudden realization, right? Make sure that we've always got enough for transport, you know. But yeah. um, if you're if you're on multiple locations over multiple days, that's they're the tricky jobs, I think. Actually, mm. there's a certain skill to those because you're it is like you're being on a drama or a film. I suppose you're yeah. jumping in, but there's something daunting but also pleasurable about studio jobs because they are contained and and everyone's focused on set you can set yourself up well um but yeah you you never know i actually also quite like the jobs that require elements or green screen elements for for post-production i did a i did a toys um smith's toys advert last year we shot it about a year ago for christmas uh 2019 christmas and it was uh little lad called Oscar and his toy castra and it was set in a Paris opera house but we had to build sections of that stage floor and put the detail in and the footlights and the chairs had to be reupholstered and gilded and and there were lovely makes and uh, using construction and um, and actually mostly it was construction and some special effects but it was yeah rotating turntables was a special effects job um and it was working with toys, so it was a really fun job. But um, at the end, it all came together beautifully because it's animated, but it's it's got real elements in there and it's got real shots in there. Uh, and the, the stage floor looked beautifully old and shiny. But, yeah, that kind of detail and that collaborative thing was really fun, as much as the bigger jobs are. Yeah, so you were talking about you, you're now in Wizzo, which is awesome. Um how have you found things have changed since being with an agent or have they been you know um, fairly the same um haven't really had a chance to sort of (laughs) test it out as much i mean the the job came in that was pulled um and that took up a good couple of months of this year and i only joined end of end of jan sort of mid-february so um yeah i've i what I liked about Wizzo and meeting Lee and Sophie, who Lee runs the company now, but was just the sort of um, communication and two-way approach and understanding and saying that they understood what I'm about as much as anyone would. And I went to see four or five other uh, agents. I think, no, maybe three or four other agents. Anyway, and everyone has their strengths and some have a lot of designers and and cinematographers on their books and... uh, Wizzo, I knew, I, you know, we don't b- bump into each other very much. Designers or art directors don't really know too much, I don't think, about each other. But James Hatt is a, is a designer I've always respected, and he was uh, someone I bumped into at Super Hire a few times. And and I thought, well, if James has been with them, I think he's been with them 10 years. I thought, well, I like his character. He seems like similar to me. He seems pretty, pretty sort of... Uh, approachable um maybe it's working for him so it was a good good indication as well you know um, there's a few other people there as well um i think tom tom gander's with them and um, yeah he is um yeah. Uh, and and dop uh antonio paladino i've worked with a few times he's a lovely dop and he's with them so yeah just had a good couple of meetings with them they were very relaxed and it was it was good to just chat and um i think i went back twice to meet them and we had a chat as well but yeah that was the end of last year but yes wait to see because the work I got for this job comes through direct to me still because I'm a tractor I've worked with fairly regularly for about two three years now and that's that was a a great change in circumstance but um, for some years I've wondered I wonder if I'll get a chance to work with them And, and I suppose being with an agent they are exposed to younger directors and people out there they say well you should be working with this person it's 
and it's hard to as you know you're you, you're at the sort of point of being kind of technical crew when you feel like the work only comes through means outside of your own control you know you you can't always generate work you know and people say are you quiet and you say yes I am a little quiet at the moment but things change and and um you you know that you can't rely on one director or series of directors um, because those directors suddenly meet someone else and they might have a change of feeling that they just want to use someone for another period of time which is completely understandable but um yeah tractor have been uh, pretty good for the last couple of years there, there's five directors and um, i've worked with four of them so and yeah. you just got one left to to well, off. Matt, he, yeah, he works in Sweden mostly alone, so mostly on Swedish projects, and and I think he films in Europe. But um, they say he's, a, he's probably a harder one to 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 tap into to working with. But uh, when you work with all five, you get a you get a red blazer, a burgundy <laughs> blazer with a with a tractor badge, apparently. Oh, <laughs> presented, well, I mean, you're presented. gonna you're gonna have to hunt yeah. him down, I think. Yeah, yeah, the old anchorman jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So um, we're in this. Um, wonderful world of quarantine at the moment um mm. what are you doing to stay artistically motivated oh, digging down at the allotment <laughs> <laughs> um it's quite tough isn't it i think it's a little tough i mean <clears throat> the uh the sketch up on the list of learning is is probably a good thing to be trying um uh, thinking about reading more you know doing that kind of thing looking at Art has always been a great inspiration to me, looking at art wherever it is, in books, understanding cultures, reading about art history is a key for me anyway. But whether it feeds directly into the kind of you know work you, you get coming in, you don't know. But um, yeah, I think it's quite hard because you'll wonder what our role is and what use our jobs are in a way. You're, you know, you're seeing amazing things happening. Some of the special effects companies through data repro who produce graphics and uh, newspapers for film they've, they've turned their resources into making visors for the nhs and i think over easter weekend they turned out nine thousand visors which which is absolutely amazing commendable but um yeah really incredible yeah, stuff yeah i've got two kids here at home they're fairly self-sufficient uh, a wife and a dog and a cat but uh yeah we're outside of london which is kind of good and bad in many ways sometimes with work you know you feel a little bit distant from the london vibe but uh i'm only an hour and a bit away on on the train so it's uh it's touchwood worked over the last few years you know we've been here 15 16 years uh, in east sussex but um yeah it's a very creative little area actually it's, it's got a link to brighton so there's a lot of people here in the town who are much involved in artistic or musical uh businesses but uh yeah i don't think there's anything one specifically thinks that um, i can put my finger on at the moment it's uh, still finding our feet a bit really i think we all are really um mm. just so just to briefly touch on before we finish um so you live outside of london and commercials can sometimes have rather extensive overtime to put it um politely mm. Um, what do you do when you finish at three in the morning and the trains are finished? Oh, if I, I kind of know when that three in the morning would come, and I, I will be in a in a hotel somewhere near where we are. And okay, if it's a if it's a studio, you know, I book book under my own expense. Really, I book uh, book days in the few days in the travel lodge at Park Royal, <laughs> or. Or the, if I'm feeling flush, the Hilton um, Doubletree in Ealing, uh, that's very good for the A40 and, and, and for the studios all around West West London. Um, yeah, you drive up early or, or go out on public transport and, and, and if you're based in one spot, but if it's um, moving around location-wise, yeah, driving up and just hopefully staying somewhere nearby, working it out that way. But... Um, as I say, I'd I'd say ninety five percent of the work over the last two years has been abroad, and in in a way you can be designing straight on the computer, doing everything. Yes, it's hard when production or producers based in LA. There's different time, you know, at six o'clock in the evening they're kicking in and wanting answers, etc. And and as you know, I think the email has taken over our lives a little bit too much. That um, everything's sort of 
monitored or recorded fire email, which is useful and it has been useful recently on something that came back and it was a question of legal question that I had to sift through four years, four years previous of an email just to prove something to production that uh, was quite valuable really. But um, yeah, if you're working and answering questions at midnight, it does get a little tiring and you do wonder why, why we don't just stop and have regular timings on things. But um, I mean, I think, yeah, computers seem to, I do feel a bit of a slave to the computer sometimes, which is a bit sad. The only company I worked with actually was, we did a job, I did a job with Ring and Ledwidge for Orange over in Toronto. And Ardman Animations, the Wallace and Gromit creators, made these little clockwork figures which were lovely, and I've got got one sitting on my shelf here. But there's, um, yeah, <clears throat> they needed some extra detailing put in. We needed to put a little bit of extra stuff in and aging that I wanted to put in. Uh, had my little detailed hands all over it, but um, they stopped. At, you know, they didn't allow mobile phones to be given out. They stopped at certain times of the day. They they had a very clear cut off point. They weren't contactable over weekends and. London production was sort of like pulling their hair out saying what's going wrong you know and I was like we were like well maybe they've got it right and we've got it wrong <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um anyway but yeah that was good I don't know how many years ago maybe 10 years ago but it was a nice instance of a industry where it was absolutely focused but on its craft you know as as model makes and anything with stop frame animation there's a there's a real detail and craft to it which which is, is is great as well, but a whole different ballgame to how commercials and production work. So it's it's always fun having bring these different elements in, and you have different characters. You know, um, I did a job for another job for Ringham with with a with a Thunderbird puppet brains, and he was drinking oh, yeah. the water, the drench one, and that was that was great fun. Yeah, but it was a good advert. We had we had uh, huge quotes from special effects companies in London to make brains and they were they were high figures you know you could buy a flat for that kind of amount and we found a, a guy in devon who makes beautiful marionette puppets for the little angel theater in islington oh amazing um john roberts i think his name and because uh, it was joe joe wright the director's his dad yeah, his was dad the one who ran it. that yeah mm. and his sister is one of the puppeteers there and she came on set but yeah he made it for a tenth of the price this uh or maybe just over ten, you know Twelfth of the price, but it was beautiful figure, beautiful figure, um, and all made of gesso and and uh, balsa wood and and coloured and everything. Yeah, so yeah, and then you've got puppeteers on set, you know, and people that worked on. One of the guys was Zippy from Rainbow, and he worked on. He'd worked with Jim Henson on um, Dark Crystal, and you know, great, great stories and great, great different sort of skills, and yeah. I think you just have to be always humbled, humbled, sort of to to listen and and be curious to to inquire with people about their, what they've been involved in, really. Yeah, I completely agree, and um, I, I I absolutely love working with puppets and puppeteers. I've I've mm. had the chance to a few times, and it's always so magical. Um, yeah, I grew up near the Little Angel Theatre, so I went there quite a lot when I was a kid, and okay. it's um it's highly recommended for yeah, adults and children it's that use of the imagination over everything sort of told out in in you know the the elephant man was on last night and I was watching that and there was a famous anecdote about uh i think it was uh the dop was freddie freddie francis yeah because he said they had no money to create a dream sequence with elephants and what are we going to do how do we create this dream sequence and he said well we'll just throw black cloth and we'll use light and they have the ele elephants emerging from this darkness into the light and um and of course it works so well with the with the visual tone of the film but it was done with the most economic means but it was mm. done with a with a foresight of how it could look eventually but that's it's a bit like the puppeteering you know out of darkness it's always something very magical i think about that yeah, it really is. Yeah, do you have any recommendations you'd like to share? It was just a couple of recommends that I could say that might be useful for the younger. Um, yeah, I think being on Instagram quite a lot because you notice that a lot of people are showing work and, and you know a lot of companies sell work through Instagram. 
there were, there were a couple of amazing design sites and one is a guy called Leslie Travers um, and his Instagram is just phenomenal for the stage designs that he does and um, he works for big opera around the world and but designs for the Scala in Milan quite a lot but he works with a model maker too I can't remember the name but he works with a guy who does they just create the most beautiful um three-dimensional card and and uh, uh phone card models of the sets as well as his drawings and his designs and his sketch up but and then you see the process through into actual stage builds and um and because they're because they're opera and theater they're, they're they're limitless in terms of their design and creativity they're not bound by commercial uh, script in a way so the the ideas there are just off the scale and um, the movement as well because very often they're moving and they're they're engineered uh, to to turn and metamorphosize into something else so that's that's one yeah Leslie Travers brilliant and there's a there's another guy which isn't really my field but it's a very specialized field I think called Andy Wormsley uh, his his uh, site is Scenic Designer One and he's a huge one man that seems like a one man sort of poly amazing mind on on terms of sort of big broadway and theater and tv shows designs and um obviously very prolific 3d artist sketch up guy or cad drawer as well but he's done some recent stuff showing processes of his sketch up designs for for some really big stuff and there's live events and um that's a that's a real specialized skill i think and it's again another visual feast to look into and um some of the hardest jobs I've done is when you've they've gone okay this is a show or a game show or a TV studio and it's it takes your mind into another whole another area because those things can take a long time to 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 build and they're often very high budget and with commercials you're trying to do it in a week and you're trying to do it maybe a fifth of that budget but um yeah Andy Wormsley and I think that's worth looking at too amazing uh, I'm looking forward to checking them both out myself yeah yeah be good. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again, Nick, and um, look forward Pleasure. to hearing more from you soon. Thank you, Max. All right. Thank you. Cheers. The show's intro was composed by Sam McGrail, mixed by Max Bloom, and the artwork was created by Alec Jagodzinski.